Welcome to Change of Plans. I'm Andres Zuleta. On Change of Plans, we feature stories of resilience and reinvention, interviewing entrepreneurs and other creative individuals who have found fun and inspiring ways to adapt to sudden, unexpected challenges. Dr. Michelle Dickinson is a nanotechnologist and founder of NanoGirl Labs, where she creates fun and innovative educational programs designed to help kids find their passion in science and technology. When New Zealand went into lockdown to combat the coronavirus, Michelle and her husband found a brilliant way to save their business while helping children and parents around the world. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for waking up early, and I realize it's early morning there in Auckland, um, New Zealand. Oh, that's okay. I love morning, so I've already been out for a two-hour walk, so it's not I know, that's really really (laughs) impressive and sounds extremely exotic and beautiful. Um, So I love your story and what you've done with uh, NanoGirls Lab and, Mm. you know, just how much everything was disrupted when COVID-19 came to New Zealand. And obviously New Zealand has done an outstanding job relative to most countries of the world and handling the crisis. But take us back to before the crisis and just kind of walk us through what normal looked like for NanoGirl Lab before the crisis. Sounds good. So I've been a a nanotechnologist and engineer for 20 years, working both in Silicon Valley, and then I moved to New Zealand to build a a big nanotechnology lab at the university. I became a professor and was going to have a real career. (laughs) And um, I looked out into my classroom for my young engineering students, and I, I didn't see kids like me. And kids like me, I failed high school. I came from a a poor background and, you know, I really got a couple of chances to really make a difference in my life. And I saw that the system just wasn't allowing kids like me to have second chances. And so I started as an academic going into schools for free, mostly primary schools, because the research shows that children make up their mind about science by the age of 12. And I talk about my research in nanotech and I'd, I'd build it into a superpower. So I'd say, oh, you can build a hydrophobic coating where water can never stick. That's a superpower. And we can make invisibility coating. And that's a superpower. And the kids were like, well, you obviously need a superhero name. It should be Nano Girl because you're a nanotechnologist. And so the name stuck. And four years ago, I decided, actually, this is what I love to do. And so decided, how do I get more young people excited about superpowers and science and feeling like they can be creators? And so Nanogirls Lab was born. It's, a, it's an educational company and we invented something. There's a, there's a type of theater called pantomime, which is comedy. And so we invented science pantomime as a huge theatrical show with a narrative and characters that the kids love and real life science experiments. And, and the children were brought on a journey of basically how to see science and all of the theories of science and all of the equations, but used to solve real problems with these two comedy characters. And it was a beautiful thing. And we wrote four shows over four years and and we're noticed globally. So in May, we're about to go on our global tour of this show, this live theater show. Um, And yeah, we're gonna start in Australia for a month, um, Saudi Arabia for six weeks, and then the UK we were booked out for two months and we were gonna head back to New Zealand in October. And that was our year's income. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. So was there a specific moment when you, when it really hit home that 
you were going to have to either postpone or cancel your tour. And like you said, essentially have your income from the year wiped out. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm a science communicator too. And I, I write for our national newspaper every week. So I always keep an eye on what's going on um, at the cutting edge of science. And so I, I'd been aware of this virus in China probably since late December, early January. So very early on. And I'd been watching it from afar, just going, interesting. You know, I sort of watched SARS when I saw that a decade ago. And I thought, is this another SARS? And so I was probably closer to it than, than a lot of people were. And it didn't really hit the media until later on. And then I became very close to it because our prime minister, Jacinda Ardern, asked me if I could do... Um, Facebook live with her basically we did this this live to the public talking about what was this virus what is coronavirus what is COVID-19 and helping explain the science of what it was and what we could do as citizens and, and what we sort of needed to expect so I was I was quite ahead of the game when it came to COVID-19 and, and was quite you know able to see what potentially could come and I, you know, I said to our, our company, I said, hey, this thing is coming. We're still probably going to globally tour because everything's set up. But just just keep an eye out. Just be ready. Um, and so we had mentally prepared for, I mean, we never thought borders would lock down, but we had mentally prepared for, you know, things being slightly different. And then it happened, right? Everybody started to shut their borders. And we were like, uh-oh. And then all of our events companies called us on exactly the same day. It was a Monday. I remember and all of them said, hey. We're not going to do large events. We're sorry. We're going to have to cancel your whole tour. And it was like one call after the other. And boom, boom, boom. Every single bit of income that we had planned for the year was gone and decimated. And, and no hope for the future that it might come back because we had no idea. So, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty bad day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, tell me more about that day. I'm really curious. I mean, was this kind of, did it start from the morning and just cascade or... I'm just yeah, curious. Yeah, it was probably within three hours in the morning. We just got three calls back to back saying, actually, no. And, and we, you know, we realized too, as we saw borders close and we saw travel restrictions coming in, we were like, there's no way. And we didn't want to become trapped somewhere and not be able to leave. And so we had to think of the safety of our staff. And it was a really hard day. And what was even harder is because I had already been in the media doing all of the news and working with the prime minister to be a communicator about COVID. The day my business shut down was when every state broadcaster said, Michelle, I need you on the breaking news channel. I need you on this show. And, you know, those things don't pay. You do it as a citizen of your country to try and, you know, give service. And so as I'm trying to think clearly about my business, I'm being put on breaking news and I'm doing live crosses, you know, talking about COVID. And I thought, this is I can't think straight, but I feel like the country needs me. It was a really, really hard day. Yeah. So one thing that really struck me about, you know, your story of kind of how, you know, you were observing COVID really closely as a scientist and as a person who, you know, relative to most of the population of the world, you know, is obviously understanding what's going on better. And yet, and this is meant, you know, with zero offense whatsoever, but, you know, even a person as well-informed as you couldn't quite foresee that things would get so drastic, which makes me feel better. And I think makes a lot of other <laughs> small business people feel better for, you know, not necessarily having been able to predict the scope of all of this. Look, capitalism has been such a core to the Western society for so long. I just never thought that countries would close their borders. 
I never thought that we would stop trade in the way that we did. It's just been, it's always been the way that we worked. And so although I knew scientifically it would make sense to lock things down and you saw Wuhan do it and you were like, oh, that's China. They can do that. You know, we would never, we would never voluntarily shut down our cities. We did it. And, and I don't think the Western world even, even two months ago would have thought, oh yeah, we'll just close it down and keep everybody at home. Like we just, it wasn't our way of life. And so I didn't predict that's what we would do. And, and then we realized very quickly it, it sort of was the only option. So as I understand it, you, uh, you run this business with your husband, who's your co-founder, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my husband, Joe, <laughs> which, you know, for those of you who are married, you have to make some choices if you're going to do that. <laughs> um, so how did you and Joe approach this together? And, you know, it sounds like you were quite busy on that particular <laughs> Monday. So tell me about the Tuesday. Yeah. So on that Monday, um, we also announced to the nation that our country was going to go into lockdown on Wednesday. So two days later. And so I realized very quickly that um, we were going to, if we we're going to do something, we had to do it quickly. And so Joe and I, you know, we're those type people think we're good together because we are risk takers as most people who own their own business have to be. And we looked at each other and we said, well, we're not going to quit. <laughs> like we're not going to sit here and watch our business be destroyed and do nothing for the lockdown. Like we're going to fight. We're going to have to fight. And so we knew, we looked at each other and we knew that this was the start of something new and it had to be. And so we sat down and we said, what is it that we do? What is our magic and what are people going to need during this lockdown period? So, um, so yeah, we decided that, you know, what we're really good at is bringing education to kids. And we spoke to science teachers and we said, hey, lockdown is coming. What's the first thing that you are going to stop teaching because you can't do it remotely? And every teacher said, we're going to stop teaching science. We're going to stop teaching STEM. We just don't know how to do that over the computer. We'll let the kids, you know, miss maybe a couple of months of science. And then hopefully they'll pick it up when they get back. And I said, well, when are they going to get back? And they said, oh, we don't know, but they'll just have to let catch up. And immediately we realized that this generation of kids is going to struggle by not having those hands. Because you remember science. You remember the hands-on stuff. You remember the poking and the prodding and the color changes and the building things. And so we said, okay, this is our magic. This is what we do really well. How do we get this to children all over the world so that they can do this in lockdown with nothing special other than what's already in your closets and your cupboards? And so we decided we were going to la launch a new subscription service, digital delivered online hands-on <laughs> STEM program for the whole of lockdown. So we ended up building 50 years um, for over 10 weeks that you could do every day with your kids. Um, and we did this by building a whole studio <laughs> in our office and then camping in it during the whole of lockdown and living there. So we turned to our production team who was supposed to go on the road with us and we said, okay, we need to build a studio. So they ran out, they got all of the gear, we got cameras, we got rigging, we got lighting, we blacked everything out. And we built a TV studio, having no experience in TV studios, um, in two days. And then we lived in it. <laughs> Wow. So in terms of the timeline, I mean, I'm, I'm really just curious about the details of how quickly you were able to pull this, pull this together. So when did the actual idea really become clear to you that week? I mean, was it Monday? Yeah, it was Monday. So we lost all our business Monday morning, Monday afternoon. I did a lot of TV Monday night, Joe, my husband and I said, we're just going to build something. We called all of our projection crew. And we said, Hey, 
the next two days, because lockdown happened at Wednesday at midnight. We were like, we literally have 48 hours. We need you to source equipment. We need you to fill this up. In the meantime, Joe and I, who, you know, we're technical, like we're ex-nerds. We both coded back in the 90s and learned how to build our own websites. But okay, let's, let's brush off these HTML skills <laughs> and started to, you know, look into how we can deliver a subscription video platform that was beautiful. We called in one of our best friends, Andy Smith, who's also a coder and said, hey, I know you're working the day, but do you want to give up your nights to help us with this back-end coding? And he was like, 100%. So um, yeah, three coding friends start to build this platform that, yeah, so it could be up by Wednesday. Everything was built by Wednesday. And Wednesday at midnight, which was lockdown, Joe and I got our sleeping bags and we said, right, this is going to be our home until the foreseeable future. And we camped in a studio <laughs> so we could make content every day. And Joe was taught how to use the cameras because obviously he's not a camera guy. So we have these beautiful cameras. Um, our camera team actually were working on the Lord of the Rings. Um, they were, Amazon Prime is making a new show. And so they have these beautiful 4K high-end Lord of the Rings cameras that they, they let us use. And, you know, they come with so many buttons. And we were like, we just need the on button for Joe. <laughs> so I'm running, I'm running an auto cue off my phone under the table. He's trying to figure out how not to break these beautiful cameras. Um, yeah, so we, we did everything. I mean, that is just incredible. And also so fortuitous that you had that 48-hour window. So with so much swirling around, what, what put you in a position to be able to act so quickly and effectively? I think having a deadline, I think the government saying Monday, uh, Wednesday midnight is lockdown meant that we knew we only had two days to do something. And I think when, you know, it's that flight or fight mechanism, I think when you know that, that you're about to be eaten and consumed and die, the adrenaline kicks in. And and anybody who's experienced adrenaline knows that you have so much clear focus during that time of survival. I think that was our most clear we've ever been in our business mm -hmm. about what we had to do and how we were going to do it. And it, it was fortuitous, I guess, because we had been in the US maybe a month ago. We'd been in, in LA. We were setting up our US office in Santa Barbara and we were talking to investors about building maybe a SaaS platform a couple of years from now. So we'd, we'd sort of played with the idea. We were in the, in the process of raising a million and a half for an MVP. We're going to maybe try and build this online video product and see how it went. And, and so that had been in our minds, you know, we were getting ready to do that. So it wasn't a totally out of the blue idea. But what happened is we ended up building this whole thing in two days for $40,000 with all the content in it. And it made me think, what was I going to do with a million and a half? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. When you're focused, you Foosball just tables. get that thing done. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, um, yeah. So um, it, it also was really good for us to realize that when things are going okay, you take your time to make beautiful products that you dream of. But actually, there's times when you need to focus that your MVP can be done in two days when you don't sleep and you throw everything and everybody at it. And, you know, business is, is like that. Sometimes you have to be agile. Absolutely. So you set up the studio and you did this in record time. And, you know, Joe learned how to use uh, the on off switch on your beautiful yep. camera. <laughs> so from there, you know, how quickly were you able to produce content? And then how quickly, how quickly were you able to actually release the content and start to get subscribers? 
Yeah, so we, this was Wednesday night at midnight. We launched the product on Monday morning and we were able to get subscribers over the weekend and we launched it and said, hey, your kids are going to be in lockdown. If you're worried about their education, if you're worried about science, here you go. Also, if you're worried about, you know, trying to manage working from home now with your kids homeschooling and everybody being around, we promise you that our product, and we designed the product for parents. So we said, here you go. It's five minutes of screen time where they watch a video where we'll train them in something that's an instructional video for two hours of build time. So they're out of your hair. And we're going to give you, the parents, a cheat sheet. So every morning you can print off your cheat sheet and it has a list of all of the questions that we know your kids are going to ask you about the thing they did today. Because we know <laughs> that if you're a parent, you don't want to learn something new. You're trying to do your job. And so this cheat sheet means that you have upskilled in a 30-second read and you seem smarter than your kids in every single thing we're going to teach them, but you don't have to actually take part in it very much. And so we wanted to provide it as a product to parents to help them during this time, but also reassure them that their kids were going to be building on their STEM skills and building all of these inventions every day. So yeah, by Monday, we had all of that lined up, which is parent cheat sheet, new video every day, and we released them on the Monday and we did one every single day for 10 weeks. And we were, oh, we were cutting it fine. Hey, like I was filming them and we were editing them within 24 hours pretty much our team worked their tails off to get the content out and then over the weekends we didn't release them so we were able to catch up a little bit and get ahead of ourselves but also we invented this content like this is content we've never made before so the brainstorming the building the filming the scripts all of that happened really pretty much in a 24-hour cycle the parent cheat sheet is a really brilliant insight it's um it, so we i mean i know we we say we do kids theater the intergenerational fear around stem science maths all of those is big and until you can upskill and build confidence in parents they're always going to have these fears that they pass to their children and they don't mean to and so for us although we're aimed at children we're actually aimed at building a relationship with families and having those conversations at the dinner table and we knew the, the cheat sheet was going to be our value proposition that said, hey, parents, we know it's tough. We will be your babysitter for a while, but we will also make you feel like the rock star because we reckon things are really hard right now and you probably need to be a rock star. So, yeah, that was, that was how we differentiated what we did. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting. I never would have considered that because, but I can see how some parents might be hesitant to, you know, enlist their children in something like this because of the fear of, having to handle questions that they might not be able to answer. Yeah. And if you have kids, you know that the questions that they ask are ridiculous. <laughs> and so we, our cheat sheet also has preemptive questions. So you as a parent can ask the ridiculous questions, but also have the answer on the bottom. So um, you're able to really dig, dig deep into these topics. And, and we, um, we make, I mean, we make some really cool stuff in these projects. Like the kids will make, a robotic chatterbox machine out of a tissue box and a toilet roll holder and a bit of a milk bottle. And so being able to describe mechanics and machines and they build flying machines and, you know, it's pretty complicated. And if your child asks you, how does a plane fly? Most parents will, you know, be like, oh, wings. You know? But we're able to actually go through Bernoulli's <laughs> principle and air pressure and, you know, yeah. And so the cheat sheet really is designed to help parents have language to, to be able to talk technically without needing to know all of the underlying science behind. 
How did you, you know, because you're camping at this studio, basically, so you're not necessarily in your usual surroundings. How did you come up with all of the creative kind of object, you know, like you mentioned, the toilet paper, things like that. I mean, how did you come up with those things? Yeah, so uh, we tripled our staff under lockdown. So we needed creatives. We need people who had just been laid off. So we hired um, all sorts of people and people I'd never met before and, you know, hired over the internet. And so we had a whole creative team, which was made up of teachers and tinkerers and old retired guys, you know, who wanted to do stuff in their shed and help build ideas. And then we'd video conference and people would be like, I built this, I built that. And then I'd take those ideas and look at what I had in my recycle bin and be like, okay, well, I can replace, you know, that piece of whatever there with two sheets of cardboard that I stick together. And yeah, we had this amazing team of our current creatives, as well as new people who we'd never met to sort of brainstorm these ideas and think about how we get these principles across. And then wow. we had a script writing team who helped, you know, bring some humor into the script because well, I'm not a script writer. I, I'm a content person. I can give you the information, but then they would make it funny and put the jokes in. And so we had this whole remote team and tripled our workforce, which actually we just give them all full-time jobs. So it's been amazing to now we're out of lockdown in New Zealand I now have an organization that was three times bigger than it was before we went into lockdown. Well, that's incredible. And yet, I mean, definitely so many talented people, of course, who unfortunately, you know, lost their jobs, whether temporarily or permanently. So it's, it's really awesome that you were able to, you know, help give those people fulfilling things to work on immediately. Yeah. And, you know, and giving people a mission, a positive mission, when you work in the media, sometimes you're just making movies, right? And movies are great, but you don't get to see the direct impact. What was very clear to us, because we are a mission-driven company, is digital online learning was going to work for a lot of kids, but it wasn't going to work for a lot of kids. So then we had our impact team who took all of the experience we made and were able to get them onto worksheets and printed and then we worked with food box organizations and charities because we knew a lot of children were not going to be able to afford to be fed. And so we have special food boxes that go to these kids. And so we would work with these charities and say, okay, show us what's in your food box. Show us the cardboard that it's made out of. Show us the packaging. And then we would design um, science lessons for those kids, only using the packaging from the free food boxes they were getting every week. And, um, and our impact team, who are creatives, you know, the motivation you get when you know that you are providing education to a child who really doesn't have anything else um, is, is a big motivator and really help those in the industry that don't get to see that impact work sort of realize what they can do. I really love that idea. And I also love that, as I saw, you're offering uh, subscriptions for people who also are not in a financial position to be able to obtain them. Yeah, we, we run a buy one, give one on everything that we do. It's a core part of our business. Obviously, my whole goal is to get kids who wouldn't naturally be into this. And that may be financially or through stereotypes. And so we always offer a buy one, give one program. And I've been really careful about buy one, give one. We don't always give the same. We know that digital access meant that if I did a buy one, give one, then only kids who had the internet and devices would get one. And so some of our gives ones were these special, you know, printed boxes for free food boxes and science experiments for that. Mm -hmm. And that's a really big core part of our business. We measure impact in many ways, but one of them is, you know, how many kids who wouldn't have been able to get this can get this as well as measuring profit. So we measure, we measure both types of success, both financial and impact. Well, your story is 
incredibly inspiring and also just amazing. I'm wondering though, if you had to do it all again, looking back over the past couple of months, is there anything, whether whether small or or major, that you would have done differently in retrospect? Oh, and look, it's it's easy to sit on the other side of lockdown and say, I have a business and I've tripled my staff and give you all the rosy side of it. Like I had some really dark times. I cried. I worked 18 hour days every day from getting up to creating content and having the pressure of being able to then video it, get the editors to do things like, and, and not know if people were going to subscribe. You know, it was a totally new thing. We didn't get many subscriptions for the first two weeks. And I realized we'd invested all this money and, and maybe we were going to go bankrupt and lose everything and lose the extra money. So um, it sounds rosy now because we created 50 things. But at the time, I, I had some really, really, really dark days, really day. And there was no, there were no days off. There was no rest. I was living in the studio that I was building things in. There was nowhere to go. There was, there was no escape. And it got really hard, actually. And that feeling of, you know, when you run a company with your partner, it's your everything. It's your livelihood. It's your mortgage. It's your home. It's your, like, if we lose it, we lose everything. And that pressure was really hard. Um, and so I wouldn't do anything differently, but I, I'm very... I'm very appreciative of, of that time in my life. And it really, you know, it made my marriage stronger. It made our business stronger, but also that mental resilience you have to go through during really tough times as a business owner are things that I, I will not take for granted. So looking forward now, how are you conceptualizing planning for the future now that you know that the rug can be pulled out from under you? Hmm. So it's interesting, right? Because people say, well done, you survived lockdown, you have a new business. But pivoting is just day one. Like it's like we've started a new business again and we're in startup mode. But actually, I think the hardest thing for business is once you've pivoted and once all of that adrenaline has worn out, actually sustaining this new business and, and thinking about, does it, is there a market there? Is it a long-term business? And so we're in that really, you know, challenging stage of, do we go back to what we did before? Do we, do we do live performances? Do we only do online? Like, is there an in-between stage? And so we're really at that stage now. We're lucky in New Zealand because we are out of lockdown and our schools are 100% back that a lot of the school visits that we used to do, we do big performances in schools. They've all tried to book us back. So we've had lots of bookings for live shows in schools, which has been great which makes us think that we're going to do this sort of hybrid model of mm -hmm. we'll do some in-school programs where we know the kids are safe and we know that they can be close. Um, and then, you know, we're still offering our digital platform and we're, we're doing school holiday programs now as part of our digital platform, especially for those kids who aren't in New Zealand and still aren't able to go to school and parents are now having to fill their summer holidays, you know, six weeks maybe of having already had them for three months at home. Another six weeks may drive them crazy. So we're trying to offer packages to parents over those holiday times so that they can still do what they need to do. Yeah. So we are, we are, we are now thinking what sustained business look like. And it's probably a hybrid of both digital and physical, depending on what country we're in. Well, I'm sure all our listeners will find your story very inspiring for so many different reasons. But I'm curious, you know, as you know, 
there are still a lot of people out there who are struggling. And like you said, this has been really mentally taxing for so many different reasons. So what advice would you give to fellow entrepreneurs and small business owners um, who are basically just feeling more stuck? Mm. Do you know the thing that I did that was so powerful for our business and for my mental health is I said, every single day, I am going to approach somebody who is a successful in business in different ways and ask them if I can have a 30 minute call with them. And every single day I got mentorship from some of the most incredible people. And I said, look at my business. What do you think? And I got that outside perspective because it's so hard to see the wood from the trees when you're in it trying to build stuff every day. Mm -hmm. And you think you're building the right thing, but it's easy to get distracted by your to-do list. And that mentorship became kinship and that kinship became friendship. And suddenly I felt connected to the world and I felt connected to people who probably I would never have dared approach actually, mm -hmm. who were willing to give their time because they saw that small businesses were struggling and that the outside view and that mentorship, and I didn't always take the advice, but it was really good to get somebody else's perspective every single day about what we were doing to help guide us and make us think about the bigger challenges that we might face or the, mm -hmm. the bigger opportunities that we hadn't seen. And I actually say, if you're a business owner, don't do this on your own. Reach out, ask for help. You don't have to take the advice, but just bounce your ideas off somebody who has nothing to do with your business. Because I found I got a really good sense of clarity of what we did by talking to people who don't know what we do. And so, yeah, my suggestion is, just reach out. There are lots of people out there who want to help and actually having different advice around you when you are trying so hard to stay alive is really important. Yeah. And it can be, you know, if you're not used to doing that, it can be a little intimidating to have to open up about what you're doing because you're basically, you know, showing someone, you know, what you might consider your baby and saying, you know, please give me your opinion. And they might tell you something you don't want to hear. And they will. And that's the power of vulnerability. You also have to show them your bank balance and go, hey, it's not pretty right now. You have to be that set. That power of vulnerability, though, means that people really want to genuinely help you. And and you can't exchange that without trust. And, you know, I, I opened everything. I said, hey, th this is our terrible bank balance. This is <laughs> this is our terrible future. This is what we want to do. And these are the kids we want to affect. And these are the parents we want to help. And this is why. And once you're clear on your mission and your focus, people actually really want to help you. And they want to help businesses survive because without businesses, our economy, you know, at the larger scale is, is never going to make it. And so I think everybody actually wanted to pull together and really help. And so, yeah, I think the sense of isolation would have been too high for me to mentally cope if I didn't have lots of people. And I had to create those opportunities, but lots of people come and have conversations every day about what we were doing. So how can our listeners in New Zealand, Australia, Japan, around the world, um, support NanoGirl Labs? Oh, yeah. Thank you. So we are now a global <laughs> online subscription business. So we currently have customers in 78 countries. So wherever you are, if you have kids aged between 6 and 12 and you want them to do a STEM program, um, they can join our nanogirlslab.com program and, yeah, get their kids to, to do science and, and go into their recycle bin and be inventors and builders and makers and creators. And as parents, you'll get a cheat sheet every day. 
And the other way is if you don't think you're a maker or a tinkerer, then we have a book called the Kitchen Science Cookbook. It's a recipe book um, designed for those who like to be in the kitchen. Um, and also you can just do 50 experiments from there and that's just cooking from home, um, but cooking science experiments, not cooking food. And so we, and for every one of those that you buy, we donate one to a family who couldn't afford it for every single one of the things that we sell. So also if there's a family or a community that you know that's in need and would, would be helped by these, please message us and we'll put them on our list and we'll make sure that those families get these too. Well, keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Check the show notes to learn more about Michelle and the great work she and her team are doing at NanoGirl Labs. If this episode inspired you, please share it with a friend and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, visit changeofplanspodcast.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in.